This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Uh, a real joy to once again welcome Tony and Kay Smith to us. They're good friends of ours. Tony leads Gateway Church in Leeds and also serves on the uh, New Frontiers North team, which you've heard me talk about uh, here. And it's good to have them here for the weekend. And Tony's going to bring God's word to us. So let's welcome him warmly. Good to be here. More effort than that needed. If I don't, I like to catch people's eyes. If I don't catch you all, it's because this is a quite a wide field of view. Uh, I've got to get used to getting everybody on the ends of the rows. And there's always backseat crowd. Hi, it's good to see you back there. It really is good to be here. We love being here at Jubilee. Love being at home. Lots of faces are recognised. What's great is lots of faces I don't recognise as well. That's uh, even better. Uh, your timing is perfect because Kay and I are just about on the 5th of March to start a sabbatical. So this is one of our final regional engagements, for want of a better term. And uh, we're looking forward to three months off and just recharge the batteries. Uh, but before I do that and before I speak, I just want to say... Thank you so much for releasing Graham into the North Core team. Uh, I think in the UK, we sometimes can overlook giving proper thanks. And it's something that Ken and I are very conscious about. And I want to say sincerely from the North team, thank you so much for releasing Graham. Uh, the North Core team and the North team are led by Jeremy Simpkins. And the North Core team consists of Roger By, Jeremy, Roger By, Steve Hurd, Matt Hatch, myself and Graham. And before Graham joined us, we had embarrassing moments. You can imagine with the remainder of that team, there is no short of vision, faith and ideas. Okay, but then Jeremy would say, now who's going to do this? And... Do you know those points when you don't want to catch the person's eye and so everybody's staring at the carpet? And we'd have those embarrassing moments where we're all staring at the carpet, all thinking, I haven't got the time to put all this into action. You know, we're too busy taking the world. And it became very clear we needed a facilitator. And we've chosen that title very carefully because we're not looking for a PA. We're not looking for a bureaucrat. We're looking for somebody who will actually help the team facilitate the vision and the calling that God's put on us as an apostolic team. And Graham has fitted into that so well that when I said yesterday, it's been great having uh, Graham on the team for two years, Graham reminded me it was not even a year yet. So that's how much Graham has fitted into the team. And I know Jeremy in particular has really appreciated having Graham to work alongside him especially during this whole transition in the New Frontiers family. And I want to thank you, because he can only do that because you serve, give, support, and embrace that with faith so that he can actually be released and his time released to do that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for releasing Graham. 
We hugely appreciate that. Turn with me to uh, John, no, Matthew 13, please. Just while you're finding that, I know you've got a great sense of humour here. Uh, I love it when people email me little uh, funny bits. You've probably heard the old saying, how many people did it take to change a light bulb? Well, this is kind of an updated version. I hope Graham hasn't used this last week. He's got the same source, I'm sure. But uh, Charismatic. How many charismatics to change a light bulb? Only one, because the hands are already in the air. <laughs> Pentecostal. How many? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. <laughs> Presbyterians. None. The lights will go on and off at predestined times. Roman Catholics, none, because it's candles only. Baptists, at least 15, want to change the light bulb and three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad. <laughs> Episcopalians, three, want to call the electrician, want to mix the drink, and want to talk about how much better the old one was. Mormons, at five, one man to change the bulb and four wives to tell him how to do it. Unitarians, we choose not to make a statement either in favour or against the need of the light bulb. However, if in your own journey you have found the light bulbs work for you, that is fine. You are invited to write a poem or compose a modern dance about your light bulb for the next Sunday service, in which we will explore a number of light bulb traditions, including incandescent, fluorescent, three-way, long life and tinted, all of which are equally valid paths to luminescence. Methodists. Undetermined, whether your light is bright, dull or completely out, you are still loved. You can be a light bulb, turnip bulb or tulip bulb. A church-wide lightning service is planned for Sunday. Bring a bulb of your choice and a covered dish. The Church of the Nazarene, six. One woman to replace the bulb while five men review church lighting policy. Lutherans, none. Lutherans don't believe in change. The Amish, what's the light bulb? <laughs> For New Frontiers, we're only dealing with spheres at the moment, so it's not an issue. <laughs> if you know anything about the transition, you'll understand that. I uh, occasionally get asked a question. Do you ever stop pushing on? And it's an interesting question because it, it all depends on what the motivation is behind the question. Uh, now, if the motivation is pastoral, it's care, and the questioner is really saying, do you get a proper rest? Do you get a right work-life balance? Do you take care of yourself? Then I think that's a really helpful question. And it's coming from good motives, and rest is biblical. It's very important that we understand that. So is giving time to family. You do understand that God never wants, never wants a family sacrificed for the kingdom. In fact, that's, that's completely against both things. The family is part of the kingdom. So in order to advance the kingdom, you care for and love your family. It, you can't do either or. It's both. And it's the same in the church. And scripture's crystal clear that rest is an integral part of a spiritually healthy lifestyle. 
So if somebody's motivation is, do you ever stop, do you ever stop pushing on, comes from that motive, that's a good question. However, if the question means, are you ever going to stop seeking growth in New Frontiers, then the answer is a resolute no. Why? Well, it's not because it's New Frontiers policy to be positive. It's because it's biblical. Because it's the nature of the kingdom of God. So you should be in Matthew 13. Let me just read a few verses from verse 31. He told them, that's Jesus, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. And it goes on. There is no doubt in Christ's mind that the kingdom of God will do anything other than grow. There isn't a shadow of doubt in all his teaching and all his thoughts. There's no shadow of a doubt that his influence will spread like yeast in dough. It's in the very DNA of the mustard seed to grow. And so it is with the kingdom of God. I don't know if you're king gardeners, but if you've been around a garden centre in September, all the bulbs are there to buy. And uh, they're very attractively packaged nowadays. And what's interesting, when you find the label with the net of bulbs uh, kind of taped to it, or, you don't see a picture of bulbs on the label. You see a picture of the flowers that they're going to become. Now, those are not prophetic pictures, okay? It's just that people have got used to the fact now, over the decades and the centuries, that if you plant that particular bulb, it's going to produce that flower. But there's no sense of, will it produce that flower? The bulb just is waiting to get into good soil, and in its very DNA, as soon as it's in good soil and it gets water, it's going to become that flower. Exactly the same with mustard seed. You don't have to persuade a mustard seed to grow. It's just waiting for the opportunity to be planted. You don't have to persuade a daffodil bulb to become a daffodil. It's in its DNA. It's just waiting for the opportunity to become a daffodil. And so it is with a kingdom. It's in its DNA to grow. And it's not looking for identity. It's looking for the opportunity to grow. It's not got an identity crisis. The kingdom knows what it is to become. It knows it is the, the rule and reign of Jesus across the earth. It knows it is the freedom of all the resources and power of heaven to be released as the kingdom advances. And so, we don't expect growth or go for growth because we're new frontiers. We're going because it's in the nature of the kingdom to grow and become the largest plant. It's in the nature of the yeast to spread into all the dough. Is this making sense? So, when something's in the DNA, you know what's going to happen. 
You know a daffodil bulb will become a daffodil. You don't have to have a prophetic edge. You just know that that's what it will do. And I, I just want to ask you the question. Are you expecting the kingdom of God to grow? Just taking time just to let that sink in. Are you seeking it? Do you want it? Are you praying for it? Are you working for it? That this seed will grow into the biggest plant ever. Now, I suspect, because you're a great bunch of regular people, that while I left time for an honest answer, and I wasn't expecting people to shout it out, but just internally, one or two of you may have said no. Now, I want to say to you, somebody has robbed you if your honest answer was no, I'm not expecting it. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. This is not a word of condemnation. But a robbery has, a, has happened. Now, it can happen through all sorts of things. You could have been hurt. You could have been disappointed. You could have experienced failure. You could have experienced all sorts of things. But somewhere on the line, the truth of the kingdom growing has been snatched from you. Or it's still too painful to believe it again. And Kay and I, our son and daughter-in-law, uh, spent two years with the church out in Bethel, Bill Johnson's church, and they were doing the, the training school there, Supernatural Ministry. We had the opportunity to go and visit. And one of their common phrases that they use is, what lie are you believing? Because what they're saying is, the promises and the inheritance of every Christian is that we're children of the living God, we're royal priests, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on. The dearly beloved of God. And yet, they know, not being critical, but they know, people are not yet living in their full inheritance. And not yet living in the full inheritance means that somewhere you've been robbed. And it's the same thing as believing I will become a royal priest rather than I am. Or I think the kingdom will grow rather than it will. Or I hope I'll be good enough to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. No, I am. All these days I don't feel like a child of God. No, you are. Now, experiences of life, other things can happen, and you get robbed of your inheritance. You get robbed of your inheritance. And I want to, I believe God this morning wants to deliver people from living in lies or living outside their true inheritance. And I believe He wants to help you come to a point where you know growth will happen because that's the DNA of the kingdom of God we're not doing this so that New Frontiers looks impressive so when we do an annual count of people in the church Graham 
or John can fill in, we've grown by 30 people. That's not the point at all. We're looking at the growth of the kingdom of God, not the glory of man. If your answer is, yes, I believe that the kingdom of God is growing, then what are you seeking? What are you expecting? What have you got faith for? Because growth can be uncomfortable. means making more relationships, making space for more people, means more work, means more stretching. In fact, it's interesting. One of God's characteristics is that he's really inconvenient. Have you ever noticed that? And the more you settle, the more inconvenient God is. It's true. God is inconvenient. He loves you to bits. He loves you to bits. But at the end of the day, it's his will that he wants doing, not our will. And he will be pursuing that with a passion, as well as loving you, as he loves his son. And if you find God uncomfortable, can I encourage you, That's a healthy thing, but keep asking God to make your will his will and get as close to what he's doing. But growth will mean change. Kingdom of God growth will mean change. It will mean that you feel uncomfortable. It won't mean static, stable, comfortable. It will mean moving on. Turn with me now back to chapter 13. And I'm just going to read from verse 18. So prior to the parable that we read out earlier, prior to the parable of the mustard seed. So I'll pick it up from verse 18. You'll be familiar with this parable as well. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he tests only a short time, or lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the word that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. Can I just say, to hear the word, it has to be spoken. So, you telling your friends about the promises of God out of scripture is so important. Don't let the world embarrass you to the point where you don't talk scripture. And I'm not saying... Start quoting A.V. to them and talking in a funny language that nobody understands. But just the truth of the scripture. Just the truth of God's promises. I feel there's a pressure coming on us. I mean, even in the last week, the secularists winning a vote that councillors can't pray before their meeting. There's this kind of pressure happening in society at the moment where it almost feels you can't be a Christian. Don't apologise for being a child of God. What's interesting is that the backlash is that even Eric Pickles, and I don't know where he stands spiritually, is now finding a way for prayers to be said before council meetings. And we may even find more council meetings praying before them than they did before the start. The enemy always goes too far. 
It's great. I think this is going to backfire on him big time. But you may feel with your friends, with your neighbours, oh, I can't talk about that. It's embarrassing. Oh, they'll, they'll stop being my friend. No. People who hear the word and then understand it, and the understanding biblically is not that they understand it rationally, which they need to do, but biblically what he means by understanding is that they put it into practice. They act on it. It's not just a mental assent, oh, what you've said is good, but actually their life changes and they start to put into practice what they've heard. That's what biblical understanding means. The one who received, sorry, but the, the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Now turn with me to John 15. Because this isn't the only time Jesus talks about fruitfulness. <clears throat> Recorded here is some of the last words that Jesus said to his disciples before his crucifixion. And Jesus had obviously seen the significance of this time with his disciples. Chapter 13 really launches the next three or four chapters where he said he gathered them together and he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. Therefore he washes their feet. Now actually that was a prophetic act of what he was going to do on the cross. That was the full extent of his love. But it started there. And these following chapters are what Jesus is telling his disciples in those very precious hours before he's arrested. And in John 15, verse 16, let's pick it up in verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now it's clear from the parable that when Jesus considers fruit, he's not just considering ones and twos, he considers multiples of 30, 60, 100. Let that just sink in. The parable of the sower doesn't say, and he produces fruit of one more, or two more, or really extravagant three more. Jesus only deals with numbers with noughts on the end, 30, 60, 100. You may say, well, this is okay, this is, but Jesus was talking to his disciples who were gathered then. Well, in verse 5 of the same chapter, verse, chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man, and ladies don't get excluded there, if a man or a woman remains in me and I in him, what will happen? He will bear much fruit. Children of God, part of your inheritance is that you've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. It's by royal assent. When, uh, when I was growing up, I was part of a very working class family. Uh, I grew up in Salford, in a Coronation Street style house, terraced house. 
and uh, we had a good childhood, but we were poor. And but my mum's kind of treasure was that she would buy HP sauce because on HP sauce it says by royal appointment. Now I don't know if the Queen uses HP sauce. But my mum bought it because there was this little symbol on the back of the sauce saying suppliers to HRH by royal appointment. And that's why we had the sauce. I prefer ketchup, personally. Kay's a brown sauce person. I know that divides the entire UK, whether you're brown sauce or tomato sauce. But mum had it just for the prestige. Look, the Queen uses this. We've got it on the table. By royal appointment, you've been appointed to bear fruit. Now, it's not go and do fruit, it's be fruitful. You don't have to talk to a daffodil bulb and say, now go and do daffodil. And the daffodil there is, right, I've got to work myself up, I've got to think positive, I've got to pray, I've got to ask God, turn me into a daffodil. No. It just is a daffodil. It just is a bulb that's going to become a daffodil. See, over the years we've made Christianity so hard, we've really turned it into you do Christianity rather than be a Christian. No, no, no. We are children of God. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And each person here who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, has been appointed to fruitfulness. And the glorious thing is, not temporary fruitfulness, but what does Jesus describe it as? Fruit that will last. As I understand that, that's eternal fruit. Fruit that we'll even see in eternity, not just in this age. Thank you for looking at me. I really appreciate the, the contact because I can see some of you smiling and can see others you're not convinced. The great thing about my job is I don't have to convince you. I just have to explain the word of God to you. It's the Holy Spirit who's here to convince you. The Holy Spirit is as active now as he was during the worship. And I can actually see him going up and down some of these rows. I'm not going to point some of you out, but I can see the Holy Spirit is on some of your cases. You don't have to do fruitfulness. Be fruitful. In fact, it's more than that. You've been appointed by the King to go and bear fruit. Your appointment doesn't come from Graham, doesn't come from John, doesn't come from New Frontiers, it comes from Jesus himself. The great thing is, not only has he appointed you to fruitfulness, but he chose you. This is not some random act. We are not the product of randomness in any shape or form. We were created with a specific mind and heart behind it who loved you so much, he wanted to create you. Who loved you so much, he wanted to save you. 
who loved you so much that he's made you a child of the living God, who loved you so much now he's chosen you, not only for salvation, but to go and bear fruit. And fruit that will last. This is not the prerogative of elders. It's not the prerogative of those people you see as spiritual leaders in the church. This is the appointment of every single Christian. You've been appointed to bear fruit. Every daffodil bulb appointed to bear fruit. Every Christian. Now, it may happen, but all the daffodil bulbs are replanted. They're not quite through yet, but the crocuses are through, and also the snowdrops. And we tend to get one per bulb. But Jesus was clear in his parable, 30, 60, 100. Oh, it's, it's only Steve Hurd, who's a great evangelist, that can produce 100. I don't see that written here. I don't see written in that parable or in this passage where Jesus just said, it's just for the select few that are going to produce 30. It seems to be 30 is the lowest. I'll be very happy with 30. And some of you are going to produce 100. And do you know what? God isn't going to say, well, they're a better Christian than you are because they produced 100. He'll just say, that was my appointment on you. That was my grace gift to you to reproduce yourself a hundred times. And for those who you feel I'm being a bit cryptic, I'm talking about the fruit of character because that's the fruit of the Spirit that we become more and more Christ-like and our nature becomes full of joy, peace, self-control, love, all the fruit of the Spirit. That we produce other people bring them to salvation and disciple them. Now, I can see I've already lost half of you. Oh, no. That means sharing my faith and maybe somebody becoming a Christian. Now, you've been appointed to fruitfulness. Advancing the kingdom of God. Bringing God's rule into places. I'm not just talking about serving in the church now. I'm talking about, as Kay brought that word earlier, in your workplace, in your home, with your neighbours, with your friends, in the social life. We've actually, were given a week's notice two weeks ago to finish meeting in the school where we've met for four years. It's a long story, you don't want to know. Now we're meeting in the local Anglican church because they've got a slot at midday for us to go in until we find a more permanent uh, replacement. Now, why I'm telling you that, I'm just wondering. Uh, (laughs) There was a point to that story somewhere, but it'll come back to me. I'll come back to the fruitfulness and then I'll remember why I was telling you the story. Oh, the the story was... for, for me, the church is precious because that's the vehicle that advances the kingdom. But it's not all about service in the church. It, the church isn't a building. We've learned that. So the church is the people. But it's carrying the kingdom into every aspect of life. And 
the reason for telling the story was we've been praying for the seats we've been sitting on that the St. George's Church, the Anglican Church that has allowed us to meet there, have been so generous the way they've helped us, accommodated us, that we wanted God's blessing on the people who would sit on that chair later. Now you may say that's hocus pocus. No, I believe we, we incredibly underestimate the power to bless that God has placed on each one of us. We incredibly underestimate it. That's part of the fruit. To bless others. To bring the favour of God. Jubilee Church, I believe God has only just started in what growth he's called you to seek. I believe you, it's great to see some empty chairs here so that you can pray for every one of these to be filled. But then even that is only another step. Because God is passionate about his kingdom advancing. Don't get to the point of saying, we need a break. We've grown enough. We're big enough. We're already too big. I don't know everybody. That's the end. No, no. The kingdom of God will keep on growing. You are called to 30, 60, 100 times. If each one of you produces 30 more Christians, I'm trying to think how big your building would be. At least, what? What do you say, 3,000? Now, is that what you're expecting? Is that what you're expecting? Are you expecting the daffodil picture as a result of the bulb. The bulb doesn't look that impressive, but the flower looks really impressive. You're nearer the bulb stage than the flower stage, but the growth has started. Spirit of God is just convincing you in your hearts and spirits now that you've been called to fruitfulness. I wish I knew all your names. I'd call you out by name. There's a young couple here. You know, because the Spirit's all over you, you've been called to fruitfulness. And you haven't been hung out to dry and God just said, go and do it yourself. All the resources of heaven are at your disposal to be fruitful. I can see spiritual children coming from you. I can see people who you lead to Christ and who you disciple. Lord, I just pray for your favour on them. I'm really sorry I don't know your name, but I pray for God's favour on you right now. 30, 60, 100 times. just want to pray for this row, second one in. If you don't get... If I don't refer to you, it's not that God has forgotten you. It's just that I'm finite. I may look infinite, but I'm I'm finite. He is infinite and he's perfectly aware of you. So even as I'm addressing somebody over here, he's looking at somebody else and embracing you all. I just had a, a strong sense here, right from Caroline into who's leading worship, right along, 
these real mixed feelings about this message. And please, that's not criticism. But I can guarantee the good soil is soil that welcomes the message of God. It's soil that welcomes the kingdom message. And I believe if you embrace the truth and the promises here, God will honour that by producing 30, 60, 100 times. I know you believe that. But God wants you to raise up worshippers in your image. Just let the, the anointing come for that. And it's not just to lead a church, it's to actually to raise up worshippers. People who 24-7, their whole lifestyle is an act of worship. You understand we're not just called to sing songs on a Sunday, you know that, don't you? Our life is an act of worship. The way it's devoted and to God, laid at his feet to serve. And Karen, there's an anointing on you to produce worshippers and to produce worship leaders. And I would encourage you to invest in people that you see. Just like you may, somebody may see somebody who starts out using the gift of prophecy and you may nurture them and see if there's actually a prophetic call on their life, not just the gift of prophecy. I believe God is going to give you discernment of worshippers and to invest and nurture them. I believe the gentleman at the end. God, God's ruined you in some way. You know there's a calling on your life. And that's the beauty of God, is... When, once he's ruined you, you can never let it go. And I believe God wants to blow on the embers of that calling and really bring it into life. He wants it to become the most dominant thing in your life. His purpose in your life. Spirit, I just pray, just minister to every one of your children here this morning. He wants to convince you fully persuade you that the, the DNA of the kingdom is to grow secondly the DNA of the kingdom is in this church and the DNA in each of you as children of God is to bear fruit and fruit that will last for eternity so who are you leading who are you sharing your faith with who are you praying for you may say I've got no opportunity to share the faith Pray for it. Ask God for it. Get your friends to pray with you for it. Be encouraging one another. Don't go up and say, have you not led six people to Christ this week? Go and say, how can we help you be fruitful? Be proactive in your small groups. What they call life groups, Graham? In your small groups. Don't twiddle your thumbs each week and think, what on earth are we going to do this week? Because I'm with the same group I was with 50 weeks ago, and we've met every week, and it's the most boring group in the world, right? I know you don't think that. That's just in Leeds, people think that. But <clears throat> why don't you say, right, we're going to, every week, we're going to have a time where we say, how do we make each other more fruitful for Christ? How can we help that? How can we pray for it? How can we encourage it? How can we build faith for it? How can we advance the kingdom?
how can we give John and Graham a really hard time of filling this theatre and thinking, what do we do next? Keep Dash on the road looking for new buildings. Okay? Not because we're in the numbers game. We're just in God's game. Not thinking when we reach a certain age. I, I should know your name. I've seen you before. The dear lady at the end there. Yeah? Charlotte. You know there's no retirement, don't you, in the kingdom of God? And you know you haven't finished bearing fruit. I think you do. I see it in your spirit. Please keep praying. But I believe God wants to promise you that there's more fruit yet. There's more fruit yet. There is more fruit yet. Can I, can I just say, in societies it is today, it's built upon, let's ignore age, let's disregard it. You, can I say, grandma in Christ? Uh, sorry. But you've got a stateswoman here who knows God. Young people, you can learn so much from Charlotte. Don't cut off the generations. Don't be like the world. Let's create a counterculture in the church that says we actually respect people who've walked with God for decades and the fruit that they've borne. They've got so much to give to us. And Charlotte, you've got a lot to pass on to another generation. Don't be shy of being a grandmother in Christ. Pass on everything you've learnt. I've finished. I've probably run out of time. There is more. Spirit of God, come on your church here. Come on in a fresh way. I pray as Graham prayed for the release of faith to embrace your promises. And this is not just Wishful thinking. This is the very declaration of Jesus himself. I have chosen you. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And I've chosen you to bear fruit and fruit that will last. 30, 60, 100 times. This is your calling. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to cause change. It's going to mean that you need to passionately pursue it because that's what we're encouraged to do seek first the kingdom of God it means that you need to constantly be encouraging one another don't let it be a competition but regularly say to Graham Graham how can we make you more fruitful Sarah how can we make you more fruitful not out of some workaholism, but out of your love for them. How can we make you more fruitful, Adam? You know you're called to that. The Spirit is here, releasing you into your inheritance. Because that's what it is. It's part of our inheritance. Lord, build your church. Lord, I pray you'll light a fire this morning that will never be put out. I pray that we'll see thousands of people brought into the kingdom because there is a group of passionate Christians here who believe that they've been called to fruitfulness. No matter what the enemy puts lies in our minds, no matter how hard it is in our increasingly secular culture, Lord, we believe the kingdom is going to advance. 
We believe that means people are going to come to faith. We believe you're going to have more disciples. We believe there's going to be more miracles, more healings, more of the breakout of the kingdom. We believe that, Lord, because your rule is increasing. So I pray for that breakout of faith right now. I pray even as you are touching people, there'll be creativity in how they can pursue that. There'll be fresh energy and passion to pursue it. There'll be fresh faith. There'll be healing to heal anything that hinders being able to go after it. Because some of you are hurt. Some of you know you're carrying hurts. There's healing of the spirit. They can deal with that and release you to run. Spirit, I thank you that this is more than now just a, a seed lying on the... This is a, a bulb that started to grow. The green shoots have started to push up. But Lord, we're looking forward to when all the flowers are out. And when the flowers are out, the seeds are there, ready for the next generation. Affect Derby through this church, Lord. Affect the Midlands through this church. Lord, affect the nations through this church. Release more, Lord. For your glory, do this. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.